Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is your boy, C-I-Z-Z-Y, back at it again with another episode of the Voices of Value podcast. And like I tell you, every single Friday, I'm coming back with another fire guest. And although we're recording this on a Sunday, you'll be listening to this on a Friday morning when it drops 12 a.m. Central Time, ladies and gentlemen. And today, like I said, back with another fire guest, Larissa, you ready? (laughs) <laughs> that's so fun to say because I want to be like are you ready like you ready but introduce yeah. <laughs> yourself to the people my friend hey everyone um so yes my name is Larissa you ready uh, I am the CEO of Nowhere Consultants uh and I am stoked to be here today so yeah excited to dive in hell yeah I love it I love it well we always start with the origin story from the get-go, the baby, the infant, Larissa. What do you remember about childhood? Like, what are some positive, even some negative, but just what are some memories that come to mind when I'm like, Larissa, tell me about your childhood. What is the, what are the first one to two things that come to your mind? Oh, great question. Um, so I actually grew up in Colorado. Um, so definitely just like lots of mountains. Um, you know, my family would take these, uh, not super common, but like every once in a while, we'd all kind of rally and, and figure it out. Um, you know, we would, we would go up and drive up to like watch the Aspens change or, you know, like whatever, right. Like get out there and explore a little bit. Um, you know, my dad was really into, uh, like he likes, he liked adventure, right. He likes adventure. Um, and so it was just like a, a fun thing, you know, when, especially when he and I would get out there and, and, you know, get out of the car and like go and, and tromp around. Um, so I think that was a big part of it. Uh, I remember, um, not so childhood, but, you know, I think the first time I went camping, I was probably like 15. Right. And, and I don't know what took me so long, uh, but I went with some friends and I just remember it being this like really cool experience. Right. And, and just really like felt, yeah, felt like something that I had been, you know, missing, right? That I didn't know I'd been missing, right? And so for me, the the outdoors is just really prevalent. Um, you know, I that was makes- a big, big bike rider as a kid, so. I love that. That that makes yeah. me want to ask the question, you know, for somebody like me who is like super anti camping, anti anything that seems semi dangerous, like what would be your how would you like try to sell camping to me? Like if I was to ask you to sell camping to me right now, like how, what words, what, how would you describe it? Why should someone who is like anti-camping, like, I don't want to see no bears. I don't want ants crawling on my body while I'm asleep. Like sell sell camping. I was actually going to say, like, talk to me about like, what is, talk to me first about, uh, like what about it feels dangerous or inaccessible, right? Three Three things. All right, hit me. Three things. Number one, bears 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 okay so and i'm sure this fear is not going to get any better after i go and watch cocaine bear or whatever that new movie that that movie the movie's about to drop um so number one bears i'm scared that like a bear is going to come like sniff my tent and then i'm going to have to like just fight for my life and then die Yeah, right. so number two is I don't like bugs, period, really. Like if, uh, if I see an ant in a house, so that. yeah, like I just feel like even if I keep my camp or my tent closed uh, all through the trip and then we open it and we make sure we zip it closed every time we open it, like I just still feel like some little like creature is going to get in there and crawl on me while I'm asleep. And yeah, so that's two. And then three is... I, I mean, this is like kind of an ignorant one, but it's also real. It's just like not really a part of my culture, if that makes sense. Sure. So like, so those are the three things. So sell me on it. So uh, first off, I'm with you on the uh, not a fan of bugs, not, 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 not a huge fan of that. That said, um, they are kind of just part of it. So that's one thing that like, I'm probably not gonna be able to sell you on percent. I can't, there's no like secrets. Um, you know, you just kind of prepare accordingly and and you're right, you know, you keep stuff, you know, well zipped. You go in the off season too, right? Like if you're okay with like being, you know, if you're not going in the dead of summer, right? Like that's what we have found kind of makes the biggest difference as far as that goes, like makes it more manageable, right? So you're not just dealing with like critters. Um, bears is pretty unique. Like, so I mean, case in point, we did a nine-day backcountry like camping thing and never saw a single, you know single thing resembling a bear. So just, I think as far as like the probability is really low, but also I would just say like, if you pick areas that one, like aren't known for them, right. So just like seek out places in like Arkansas or, um, you know, other areas around Missouri, you know, that kind of stuff. I think, I think it's just about starting 
small, right? It's so like starting at some place that, you know, is, is well maintained, is managed, right? You know, has a park ranger on site, like has other people, right? Families, like that kind of stuff, right? Because that's just like sort of a natural deterrent. And then also if you're just not in their habitat, they're, you're not, you're not, you're not seeing it, right? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, you have to kind of, you have to work to, to really have that exposure, I think. Um, and then as far as like, as far as it not being part of the culture, I think that's interesting. There's a lot of conversations. I'm in a group called Base Camp Outdoor Jobs and more on social media that is really great. And they end up having some really good conversations around, um, around, yeah, around that exact topic, right? There's several groups that are really trying to change both, I think, internally within their own culture and then externally the perception, right? That like, Black people don't go outside. It's like, well, that's not true, right? Like there has been a real unfortunate, I think, history of of some of those areas maybe not being safe or welcoming, right? And and I think you can say that for a lot of society, but that is, I see at least conversations that push that in a direction of hopefully changing, right? Because it should be for everyone, right? It should be accessible. People should feel like they belong. Kind of like your entrepreneurship journey, right? It's like like finding some people, you know, that that finding those those leaders in in that in those cultures, right, that aren't well represented and, and looking at what they're doing, right? You know, I think would be a way to to sort of maybe get yourself into that a little bit and feel more connected, right, to it as as an activity. Um I, love I know for us, like, yeah, like even if it's not camping, right? Like there's nothing wrong with some glamping, right? You know, <laughs> so like go get yourself a cute little uh, you know, cabin, <laughs> you know, out in the middle of nowhere for a couple of days and just see how that suits you and, and just kind of get out there and and, that's and real. That space. I think it's like what I what I heard there is very much like how I'm like I like talk to clients. I'm like, hey, you know, you just start small. Like, oh, you want to get into running? Well, don't go out there and run 30 miles tomorrow. Maybe start on jogging for five minutes on a treadmill or two minutes or one minute. Yeah. Um, and starting there. And then from there, maybe you don't like running by yourself. You've tested it out. You feel a little scared because you're a woman. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in society, it might not be the safest thing for women to run by themselves. So you go and find a Facebook group or a group of women who are running using Meetup mm-hmm. or or mm-hmm. some of these other uh, apps that, you know, gather around bringing people together as a community and just yeah. doing that step by step process. It doesn't have to be you go out there and jump into the woods. With right. I, would, I would not recommend that you, you know, that you're like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to head into the backcountry of, of Rocky Mountain National <laughs> Park for nine days. Right. Which, you know, we've done and it's cool. But like, you know, you are you're carrying a bear box, you're carrying bear spray. You know, you're you've got to deal with your pack and all this kind of stuff. Right. Where it's like some of our best trips, some of our favorite trips have been just car camping, right? You roll up, bust your tent out, you're five feet, you know, from it, right? And it's it's more about like, it's more about like getting away from from sort of your norm, right? And kind of putting yourself out there in a way that like is still really accessible. And like, here's the reality, you can turn around and go home, right? Like a campsite's what, 15 bucks, right? If you go two hours from Kansas City and you're like, you know what, I'm not feeling it tonight. Like, cool. I mean, at least you've tried, you know, and you've taken that first step, right? It's like, you know, people get into running, like, because the friend really loves it. And if it's not for them, like, that's okay. Like, you don't need to, like, exercise shame people. <laughs> like, so, like, you can, you can always just decide that it's not your jam and go home, right? And, like, absolutely. absolutely. You know, yeah. <laughs> my uh my boss at my gym is like uh or you know the owner of the gym I'm at uh shout out Alex at Life Adaptive Fitness in Brookside but um he uh he's like super into like camping hiking and everything like that and like you know he he's a black individual part of the culture so I always be messing with him so I'm like man like how'd you get into that man like mm-hmm. like where where did that come from and he's he's been sharing how like awesome it is to like you know just yeah. get into nature hike uh yeah. hunt, different different things but he was showing me one thing yesterday that he's about to buy which was like a it's like a camp bed but you put it on top of your car oh yeah yeah yeah. we really want to get one of these like, i was like yeah. what is that he oh was man like, they're so what cool is that? i was like i mean what is that i ain't never seen that before <laughs> yeah 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 no, they're awesome and you can yeah you can basically just loft up there and then like yeah now you're you know you're not outside so much right you know you're, you're a little bit more um enclosed you're off the ground you know whatever but yeah yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, diving back into your childhood, do you have any siblings that you grew uh, grew up with? Like, was the adventure side of your pops also embraced by you know other members of the household? Was it like a a common thing to you know every few months go I don't know hiking or bike riding? I know Colorado is a super promoted as a super outdoorsy place. So, just wondering how how much that was actually involved in your your life on a week to week basis. 
yeah, so as so a young kid? That's a good question. Um, so not really. I mean, I do have a half brother. Uh, we did not grow up together. He's older than I am. Um, you know, so I mean, we met a couple of times, but it was not really a close relationship. Um, so really the only child, um, I actually did not have, like, it was not a, it, it was certainly not a prominent part of my life as far as like my parents, right? Like my dad was into it. Um, you know, he was absent for a good part of my childhood. So like when we would get together, we would do those things, right? But like my mom was like, she liked to walk on polite paths and, you know, not really get dirty. And, and that's the opposite of me. Like I've always been a tomboy. And so, um, for me, I had a, I had a really good childhood friend and he and I would just like, I mean, we, Saturday morning would hit, right? And like, you know, or Friday at two, whenever we got out of school, right? We would hit our bikes. And, you know, I mean, I he was a little bit older. And, and I remember like, we go to this BMX park and like, I never figured out how to like ride BMX, but I thought it was so cool, right? So we just go get in like the mud. We would get, you know, busting our elbows up, right? All this kind of stuff, right? Um, and, and so it was really, it was really a lot of self-driven uh, adventure. And then funny enough, I mean, like, despite growing up, in Colorado I did not actually get into some of the more traditional like like you know I didn't get into mountain biking I didn't get into trail running I didn't get into any of that until well into my 20s um after living here right in Kansas City and so it was just like kind of a funny thing to look back on and go like I had this in my backyard for, for 19 years of my life and I never really took full advantage of it and now that I why do you think here, that is Oh, because it does take a community, right? Like I was not, you know, I, part of it, I think was just like, like Denver in the nineties and early two thousands was not Denver that everyone kind of sees today, right? Like it was still up and coming as well, like Kansas city, where it was a lot of like momentum, but like, it wasn't just kind of was, was quite wasn't there yet. Right. In, in some ways. Um, and then as far as like the mountains and that kind of stuff, I mean, I had friends who were super into skiing, so like I'd go with them. Um, but like, none of my friends, you know, mountain bikes, none of my friends got into that stuff. Right. And and then I think for me too, like I was kind of a, I didn't have a ton of friends as a kid. Like it, it took a while for me to like find my stride and get connected to a community and, and they just weren't into that stuff, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think it was just exposure, like anything, right. Like I didn't even know that you could, <laughs> I wouldn't have known where to go. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then, you know, come, come out here and, I met my partner and he's super into mountain biking and got into that into college, you know, not in Colorado, but down in like Manhattan, Kansas area. And he and I went a couple of times and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, what's this? <laughs> and I you're remember like, our first trip back out like, Colorado this is new. was like, oh, but yeah, this is a whole new world. <laughs> Holy crap. What have I been doing? You know, like, what did I do with my childhood? Like, they're like looking at you like, where did you say you were from again? <laughs> I mean, but for real, right? Like it was, yeah, it was funny. Be like, yep, funny enough, grew up here, never done this before. Um, but yeah, it was so, yeah, I think, I think it, it's, it's a little bit like, you know, you sharing your story about camping. Like, it's just, it was about like the culture and the community. I wasn't part of it. I didn't know how to access it. And it never even, you know, and there were people, I mean, in the 90s, like there were not, it was just not as prevalent, you know, like. Like if you weren't already sort of plugged into that community of like the mountain biking or the trail running, like they're already kind of niche. Mm -hmm. And just, I think in the nineties and early two thousands, like it just wasn't part of, yeah, I just wasn't part of anything that would have gotten me exposed to that. Right. And so it took, yeah. So what were you a part of? Like what were, what were some of your early interests when you were a kid and a teenager? Like, what do you remember being super intriguing and taking up a lot of your time? That's a good question. Um, I, um, so I said, I, you know, I grew up skiing. Um, so that was fun. And, you know, that was also kind of a little bit of a, of an orchestrated thing. You know, I'd go with my school trips, I'd go with my friends. Um, you know, I was pretty fortunate that like we could, my parents were happy to like pay for me to go do that kind of stuff. Right. So that was really nice. Um, but I, I mean, it was just funny. Like I was never athletic as a kid. Like I was not an athletic child. Um, I was fairly bullied as a kid, um, was not really, you know, so I think for me, like a lot of my time was spent, um, early on, like I, I love to read, I love to draw. Um, I remember I would talk to like, I would make friends with adults before I made friends with my peers, um, just as a kid, right. Cause like, I wanted to have conversations about real things and did not find much in common with, you know, the average 12 or 14 or 15 year old. Um, did love some video games, loved to like played a lot of video games as a kid, had like a, you know, a couple of systems. My dad and I would do that on the weekends and that was a great time. Um, 
what but, games do you remember being like super into like and i know it's oh, all yeah. gen- generation based but what yeah. your generation was like super popping what were you super good at what were you like so excited to come home <laughs> from school and play oh yeah so we were i was big into uh, mario kart like super mario kart and, and old school mario kart and uh um just yeah that kind of genre of stuff right was fun um, loved me some street fighter <laughs> legendary arcade games yeah totally right i remember i uh i was probably like i don't know eight uh eight or ten years old and i remember i had saved up money to like buy my own like super nintendo system right so i had that and i ride my bike around the neighborhood so some family was having a garage sale um and i remember i traded a kid a teddy bear for a video game like it was my first like (laughs) straight barter that's amazing (laughs) that's amazing the moment i found out i was an entrepreneur (laughs) But for real, right? Um, yeah, so, you know, definitely, yeah, I, like I said, I loved to read as a kid, um, which was, yeah, it was definitely a, a way for me to, um, yeah, just kind of explore, right? I loved fantasy novels and, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And, Absolutely. And, uh, was super into Absolutely. Star Wars and, and all of that. So. Legendary. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, nothing can beat those three. All of it, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what somebody can, if anybody ever tries to argue with me about those three being like the yeah. best series yeah. of movies, books. Um, yeah. And to be honest, uh, Lord of the Rings, they've been, I forgot, I don't know if it's on HBO or Hulu or what, but they've been launching their new little TV show series as I well. I know, I'm kind of skeptical. Those, I'm like, oh boy, I don't know. But like, skeptical, but to be honest, they're decent. They're decent. Yeah. They're pretty okay. decent. So, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised. Now, what I don't want them to do, which I think they, already did or plan on doing is that with harry potter and like like yeah. that's a little wild but they just dropped like, that new, let it uh, be guys like there's not exactly any, like, i'm no. like okay you guys are pushing it i was like i was like you're pushing it you're very much pushing it yeah. um so did you graduate high school in colorado or did, mm-hmm. did you okay awesome so when you're yeah. thinking about 17 18 years old and you're finishing up school what were you what was what was the plan? What were you interested in? Like, were you like, oh, I'm definitely going to college because that's an expectation of the family? Were you like, nope, I hate college. I'm going to go to trade school. Were you like, no, I'm already a business person. I'm going to go business. Like, what? where was your head at? And what ended up happening post high school? So I always wanted, so when I was a little kid, I mean, like little, right? Like I wanted to be an animator for Disney, which I think a lot of, you know, people maybe have that aspiration. And then it was interesting because like, I actually was really put off by the, sort of the advent and prevalence of like early computer generated graphics, right? Like I was, because I had a lot of respect for like the old school draftsmen who could like really actually draw, right? Um, and so that was something that I definitely like aspired to and and had this sort of vision in my head, right? And I remember, um, like you're asking about childhood, like I remember as a little kid, like, you know, I, I joke about it now, but like, it's true. Like I never played like house or, you know, mom. Like I wanted nothing to do with that. Like I was always like, in New York or, you know, like I was always doing something that was like bigger, right. Than, than where I was. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, you know, I remember 18, 19 years old, like I was still wanted to pursue the arts thing. Um, basically went to my, my dad and my mom and I was like, look, I'm either going to be a lawyer, doctor, or an artist. And I think I want to give artist thing a try. Right. Which is funny. Um, and he was like, all right. <laughs> so, uh, I, my mom and a cousin, um, who had gone to the Kansas City Art Institute, which is a college, you know, college out here, right? Nice private school, um, sounded cool. And more than anything, I wanted to get out of Dodge. Like I was so sick of Colorado. I was sick of Denver. I was just tired of it. I was ready to go. Um, I think it's a little bit of that, like grass is greener thing. Like as a kid, like all I wanted to do was like go places and do stuff. And we lived in the same house. We never moved. <laughs> like I was so ready to like get out, right? And just get away and like do my own thing. So there was definitely an expectation that I would go to college. I mean, my dad is like a first generation immigrant. Like, like there was there was no question about that, right? Like you were gonna do well in school, you were gonna have that. Like that was a thing. But like I didn't, there was no resentment for me there. Like I always I think college is a really valuable thing, even today, right? Not even so much for like. I think people have the idea of college wrong in a lot of ways. Like people look at it like, oh, you go get this degree so you can make a bunch of money. It's like, no, you leave home, you go meet people that you would never be exposed to. You learn how to live on your own. You have those struggles, you become who you are and you do that in an environment that is crafted for that. Like that's the value of college, right? Like 
you know, I learned a ton of things that I use in my entrepreneurial life now that are, that no one ever taught me, quote unquote, in art school, right? <laughs> and so like that resilience um, and that exposure to people from all over, right, I think is the valuable component of of college because it is still a structured environment. You do still have a schedule. You do still have those resources available to you, right? That you take for granted will always be there until you're truly out on your own and go, holy hell, now what? <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of value in like leaving home, right. And getting out and, and, and having that experience sort of regardless of what you end up doing with the actual degree. Right. Because I think that if you are paying attention, you will learn. Yeah. It's, it's your first opportunity to really network, right. It's your first opportunity to get to know people. It's your first opportunity to like, you know, know that you've got like, yeah, like test out a personality, right. Like figure out who you are without all the baggage of, you know, everyone you grew up with, right? Yep, yep, that's real. Everyone, everyone you grew up around, judging, making their own opinions, talking about yeah, that. Yeah, like not letting you evolve, right, from like who you were when you were ten. You know, yeah. I think it's a big piece. So, like being able to go away to school or whatever that is, right? You can be trade school; it doesn't matter necessarily. But like, I think just having that, like that secondary experience, is really important because I think that's where you can really learn kind of who you are. Um, I remember I went into school thinking, like, okay, I'm going to get like a I'm going to minor in creative writing and I'm going to major in photography. And I got there and I was like, I don't want to do any of those things. <laughs> that's hilarious. I mean, yeah. that's how it goes. I think, I think that's the beauty of like just life in general, aging, whatever you want to call it is like everything we thought was what we wanted. A lot mm -hmm. of times ends up being not what we wanted or be let me not say not what we wanted but ends up leading us in a in a down a path we didn't expect so 100%. we might like yeah. we might like chase i don't know i want to go pro in basketball or whatever but then you don't end up going pro but then you end up in like cutting hair and because you ended up cutting hair and you really love basketball and your friends from playing basketball growing up like want you to cut their hair now now one kid goes pro and now you're surrounded by pros cutting the pro's hair and you didn't, end up, you didn't end up as an athlete, but your pathway still led you and like was connected culture, to your right? Exactly. Or you end up, you know, coaching or mentoring, right? You end up being some exactly. kind of community staple with a much longer sort of lifespan within that community and a much deeper way to connect, right? Than it would be if you were just there on talent alone, right? Or Absolutely. some, some, you know, short-lived scholarship, but then like, now what? You know, like if it goes away or whatever, right? And I just... Yeah, I think that that is, um, there's a really great book called Range, written by David Epstein. Yeah, David Epstein, I thought, right? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. fire book. Um, really love it. And and he talks a lot about like that nonlinear path, right? That that ultimately leads you to success in a way that you never would have combined variables together if you hadn't had these really sort of disparate experiences or something hadn't quite worked the way that you thought, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and so I think that that's... Yeah, that's that, something I definitely took away from 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 art school. You know, I, I spent a lot of years having a whole lot of angst around like, you know, no one's interested in my work, and and, and I don't have an audience, and I'm you know, I'm never going to make it as a professional. It's like, no, you're probably not. Right? <laughs> you, like, let's just be real. But it did teach you. It did teach me how to take no for an answer, and and then just move on. Right? How to hear yeah. a bunch of no's. Um, and practicing yeah. self-awareness self and accountability and being able to like make decisions out of that, like Honestly. out of that energy, right? Like, you know, Honestly. it's like sometimes we have to tell ourselves, all right, this may not be the path I've given it, you know, what I got right here. Now you have to practice and that's self-awareness. Now you have to practice accountability. Like, okay, now mm -hmm. what's my next step? What action am I going to take? And then like moving forward and being able to just trust yourself and, and put not put it all in the past, but be able to find peace with where you're going, where you're Absolutely, going. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah, you have to you have to be willing to let things change and evolve, right? And I think that like that there's a lot of value in 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 that, right? In that lesson. Um, you've got to yeah. let something die before something else can come from that, you know? And it and it it sounds cheesy and it's cliche, but it's cliche for a reason because like that's just sort of how it works, right? Yeah. Like from every sort of failed opportunity, right? Something else, if you can if you can stay aware and present and and not self-destruct, right? Which like I think is easy for a lot of people to do. You know, I've seen even in my own family, right? I've seen, you know, people fail or have failures and they just never they never can divorce themselves from like what they were, right? And like 
even though there's so many opportunities before them, right? And like, if you look at it in the grand scheme of a lifespan, like it's a fairly small moment, but like, yeah, you kind of have two choices, right? Um, and and I think that, that that resilience is something that can come from unexpected places. For sure, for sure. When you think about, you know, where you're at today and when you were 21, what is the biggest failure that had a positive impact on your life and like where you're at today so you know no 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 pressure to answer super fast but just thinking back to like 21 and the past few years like what huge failure could be a relationship could be a business venture could be a failing a class whatever it might have been and how did that impact who you've become today that's a that's a good one um hey that's a tough one to answer. Like it's it's a it's a multi-threaded answer, right? And so, um, and I don't know that I would necessarily classify them as failures. So, like in the moment, they certainly felt like failures, right? Um, it's a loaded word, right? But I had Are definitely, you? you know, so so in those there was twenty one, twenty two was a really pivotal time in my life, right? I think it is for a lot of folks, but it, it you know. It, it really was um, for me kind of like the point where I think I grew up finally <laughs> um, in, in a lot of ways. And that was driven by a couple of really big life events, you know, and, um, and so I had some, some really deep experiences, right? So I had, um, I had a relationship that had not gone the way that I thought, you know, okay, fine. That's, that's, you know, whatever um, had gotten into another relationship and, uh, and and just realized that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't working, right? Um, wasn't wasn't going the way that I wanted. And I was working probably four jobs, one of which was for my dad. <laughs> I was basically an executive assistant. I was a waitress. I was all these things. And I just remember, um, you know, I I had come through some some things that I'm not going to get into. Um, but you know, come through a really kind of big life changing moment. And I I remember I had this experience where I basically had like a nervous breakdown. I essentially like. Was driving home one day and I couldn't remember where I lived. I'm 21, 22 years old, right? Like that's not a normal thing, and uh, it freaked me out. And I, uh, I remember I went to, um, like I thought I had lost my mind, right? Like I was really worried, and people were worried about me. And so I remember I, I went to this um, psychiatrist and I sat down and I said, like, hey, this is the thing. This is what's going on. And they put me through the whole like battery of tests. I mean, they were all kind of looking at me like, what is this girl doing here? And uh, it was the first time I'd really talked about some of the things that had happened, you know, in recent history. And so I remember I get to this guy's office and he's putting me through all these memory tests and like all these things. And he just stops me halfway through and he was like, he like closes it all up and he just sits down and he's this, you know, older guy, probably like in his, I don't know, late 50s, early 60s. And he just looks at me and he goes, why are you here? <laughs> like, what happened? Just tell me like what's going on. And it was the first time that I had really talked to anyone, right, about kind of what had, you know, what I had recently been through. And I just remember it all just kind of came out. And he looked at me and he goes, what do you want to do? It's like, what do you, like, what, what do you want? And I was like, I want to get out of town, dude. Like, I cannot do this anymore. Like, nothing about my life is working. And he was like, what's stopping you? And I was like, my parents will kill me. And, and he's like, go like if you if what you need is permission like I'm giving you permission like go and I'll, he's like he's like they'll forgive you and if they don't you'll deal with it and I remember being like I can do that <laughs> he's like yeah you can do that and I was like okay <laughs> and so I remember I walked out of his office and it was this beautiful day and I just remember I sat in my car and I had this really good cry about it all right I was just like okay like I think I can actually do it and I remember for the first time I felt like all right this is my this is my this is the card I was waiting for this is the permission that I needed and uh so I called my dad and I said I'm not gonna be back like like I'll see you tomorrow right but like I'm done working with you and I called all of my jobs and I quit them over the phone which I'd never done and I got home to my then boyfriend and I said hey this isn't working and we've known this for a while and I need to go and by the way I'm going to store all my stuff in your basement um for a while so I'll figure that out <laughs> and he and I are still friends so he, he's a decent guy um but yeah, I just, I just, I left it all, right? I just quit it all. And I remember I called my dad back and I was like, all right, hey, here's the, so 
I'm going to bounce for a year. I'm going to backpack Europe. Uh, this is what I've been wanting to do. I've been dreaming about it since I was a kid. I've never done it. Right. And, and, and this is how it's going to go. I need you to take me to the airport and like, I'm going to figure it out. And I remember that instead of killing me, his reaction, like, like, you know, he was like, all right, come, come to the office. Like, let's talk. Right? So we sat down, we had a conversation and he just looked at me. He's like, Hey, if you got to go, you got to go. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I was like, all right. And so I kind of just turned my life upside down. Right. I sold all my stuff, sold my car, put my stuff into storage. Um, and I just left. Right. Um, and I started with a one-way ticket uh, to Turkey, which is where my family is from and lived with them for three months and backpacked around Europe between it was basically like, so what was that? Like 2008, the very, when was that? I guess it was like, yeah, it was like 2008 to 2009. Uh, so I basically missed the recession because <laughs> I was living out of a backpack and I didn't care. Yeah, it was like, Clutch. I felt it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great timing, great cosmic timing. Uh, but yeah, I just bounced like, and, and, and really got my feet under me and figured out who I was and, and to dive into that uh, from a logistics point of view, um, so when you land in Turkey, are you uh, for the three months you spent with them there? Were you uh, were you like come home to to the family that you had in Turkey? By the way, what city? Uh, so it's a town called Mersin. So yeah, Mersin. just on the out. Yeah, so so they currently with like the the earthquake. I mean, suddenly Turkey is in the spotlight, so people now understand that you know they have a much better sense of that geography. So they are on the very outskirts of kind of where the aftershocks have been hitting. Um, so like they're all fine and and safe. It, it sounds like, but I mean, they definitely felt it. Um, but it was not like in that nucleus. Blessings, blessings. Well, yeah. I'm happy to hear that. Um, so. Well, yeah, well, from a logistics point of view, were you in uh, Turkey and then going somewhere else in Europe and then coming back to Turkey to yes. sleep for a few weeks and then going and leaving again? Or, no, or did you like, stay there for three months and then dip? Yeah, so the whole thing was nuts. So, so kind of prior to like the great reset, right, where I just like hit the big reset button, I had met some folks who in town um one is a local artist. She's amazing. Um, her name is Anastasia Drake. She's great. And she and I, at the time, she was like building her art career, right? And I don't even remember how she and I got connected, but we did. And she started telling me about these experiences that she'd had artist residencies overseas and she'd stayed with this family and she'd done all these things and she connected me with them. And she's like, and, I, and it turns out that she connected a lot of people with them and no one had ever just like taken her up on it. Whereas I was like, okay. And so, um, so she was a really big catalyst for me to kind of be like, oh, it is possible. Like there are these opportunities out there that I didn't know about. And so I, uh, I did just like kind of live with my family in Turkey, which I didn't really know very well at the time. I'd only met them one other time. And I just sort of showed up on their doorstep and was like, hi, <laughs> my life doesn't work. And I'm going to move in with you for a while. Cool. And they're like, okay. Um, so that worked out well, right? That was, you know, kind of a little impulsive, but probably a little strange. Um, I can only imagine the conversations that happened on the back end of that, you know, but there it was. Didn't speak the language, didn't really know him, but, you know, went and lived with my aunt who is endlessly gracious and let me have a place to be. Um, so I did that. And then in the interim, I had been putting together sort of a, a series of artist residencies and had applied and, and you know, the, like, I had to pay to play, right? You know, but they weren't terribly expensive. It was more like just covering your room and board. But then what they gave you in return was like a studio space, a place to work, um, an opportunity to meet some really cool folks. So from Turkey, I went to uh, Budapest and did that for, I think it was a two or three week opportunity out there. And then I did end up connecting with a family that this woman had stayed with. And she, you know, we had a bunch of email conversations and I said, hey, I'd love to come and all pair for you guys if I could. Um, and they were in Germany. So I did that for six months with them. Um, lived with them, taught their kids English, like hung out, like helped with homework, like all that kind of stuff. Really became like a part of their family, uh, which was awesome. Um, and then, so they were kind of my home base. So then I would sort of like bounce for a couple of weeks and come back and, you know, go and come and, and in and out um, over the course of about six months. Um, and then uh did put together so you know got to see like italy and you know do some traveling right without really any kind of structure to it um but like i said had knew that i had a place to come back to right you know and, and that was awesome um 
and then yes, found an that's the key. Mm-hmm. yeah it was nice yeah it was it was super helpful um it was all really just kind of crazy though because like i didn't know these people and they literally picked me up from the train station and they were like hey hope we get along um it was wild um, that's faith yeah <laughs> Um, couch surfed a bunch <laughs> um, at the time. Like it was a pretty popular platform, so kind of pre Airbnb. Um, met some really cool people, had some crazy experiences, but some good stuff um, that that really happened along the way. And I think in sort of the way that those moments, you know, change you. Like you have these, you have these really sort of deep moments of humanity, right? And so, like you know, one experience that I recall was like I was in Rome. Um, and my bank card had been shut off for no matter how many times you call, right? Like they don't get it. And you're like, no, I really am just like bouncing around the world and you just need to not turn off money. Um, but so of course it happened and it's like eight o'clock at night. I'm walking around. Like, I have no idea what my plan is. Cause I have like eight euro in my pocket and no, no debit card, no credit card, no nothing. And so I'd go into this like internet cafe slash hostel and I'm trying to get a hold of someone, but of course, like time zone and nothing's open. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I've been there for a while. And the dude finally, like the owner is like, what is going on? And I was like, I am screwed. <laughs> I was like, I can't get a hold of my bank until six o'clock in the morning. Their time, right? Which is not now. Uh, I have, you know, like, I don't have any money. Like, I, you know, whatever. And I'm not really sure. Like, I've been trying to get a hold of people on couch surfing, like figure out if I can stay somewhere. Like, I don't have anything. And the dude is like, I can lend you a room for the night. Like, it's cool. And I was like, I have eight euro. And he was like, go get dinner, get out of here. Like, pay me back in the morning. Like, cool. So just like endlessly kind, had no reason to trust me, right? Like, what am I doing? Um, worked out great. Went to the train station in the morning, got a hold of my bank, got money, came back, paid him. It was it worked out. Um, but like just those moments of like, yeah, like just humanity, right? Just kindness, you know, where you're like, oh, okay. Um, and I had several of those moments, you know, that, uh, yeah, that just kind of show you that, like, I think, you know, if you, if, if you're, if you approach a situation with like integrity, right, then like that will be reciprocated. And it was those really, yeah, impactful moments where it was like, oh, okay, cool. This is like, you're just helping me because you can. Yeah. Um, Cause you're human and I'm human. Right. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. And in the name of like just really sitting in this moment for a second, I want you to do your best to describe visually somebody you remember from your tripping year. Maybe not a family member, but somebody that you randomly came across. Maybe it was a couch surf or maybe it was that guy that you just mentioned. But I want you to word for word, try to visualize and then describe the face of somebody from that trip. And then we'll move on. (laughs) That's great. Um. So there were, uh, there were these two brothers. Um, so this was, it was towards the very end of the trip. Um, I was in London and I was getting ready to go home and uh, kind of similar thing, right? You know, end of the trip, you're kind of broke and you're just like, all right, what am I going to do? And uh, I had set a very desperate, because remind everyone, like playing the home game, I did not have a cell phone that like had data, right? Like these were flip phones. I mean, this is not that long ago, right? But it, you know, it's long enough at this point where you're like, all right, it was a different world. Um, and so I remember I sent a message to this guy on couch surfing and I was like, Hey, I'm going to be in London. Like I need a place to stay. And he was like, yeah, cool. Like I'll meet you at the train station. And I was like, game on, I'm going to have an orange hat on. And like, that was the last I had communicated. Right. And I had a, you know, an eight hour train ride or something. So it's like, I am not going to hear from this dude. Hope it works. And so I just remember this guy, like all I was going off of was like a memory of like his profile pictures, like, you know, dark hair and short i remember being kind of short um i think he was like armenian or something so like i just remember seeing this face right and i i yeah this is like it's been a while but like yeah just with like he he just I, like short dark hair like i could see him kind of through the crowd i was like i think that's the guy and i had my you know orange hat on and then this just like look of kind of realization and question right you know where you're like is that you are you the person that i'm supposed to meet on this train platform <laughs> And I remember he comes up to me and he's like, hey, are you my couch surfer? And I was like, I am. I <laughs> and uh, yeah. And so um, through him at these two other brothers that night and, and ended up doing some really cool stuff, like just hanging out in London and walking around. But I just remember his like, yeah, like his like this big, bright smile. Right. And like the sort of recognition 
<laughs> through this sea of people, right? Because it is, you know, five o'clock in London, right? Like it's a busy time and like just a sea of individuals. And this this dude and I just like found each other in the crowd. Connected. I think that actually is so interesting because I think that happens, you know, sort of often, like not sort of often, but like say you go to, for example, like the Chiefs uh, Chiefs parade, and then mm-hmm. you just like see somebody in the crowd, and like you don't really know their name, you don't really know who they are, but, but you, you know. know but you know that you might have ran into them mm-hmm. at out of the blue coffee shop in Leewood three years ago. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Totally. And you're looking at them and then there's that connection and then they smile and then you smile. And then yeah, it's like, bro, like, where do I know you from? Yeah, and then why do like, I know that face? Shop. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just like those moments where we just, it's just a, a very genuine moment of connection mm-hmm. that we don't get to experience quite that often. But when we do, it kind of helps us like re-dive back into the purpose of being human. Like, you know, and, like re-dive back into the fact that we are truly souls, like, you know, that are just interconnected, but we have created so much division throughout, you know, history that it's yeah. hard to, to tap into that. So I always love when, when moments like that happen or when yeah. we can reflect on moments like that. So, and you mentioned, you mentioned couch surf, man. And, and now there's Airbnb <laughs> and now there's Verbo, like, yeah. What what that makes me want to to ask is to kind of transition to the business side of your life and when yeah. you know entrepreneurship, business, um, making money outside of like employment really started like entering your brain and when that when that little those juices of like what's a problem I can solve for somebody else and then in exchange of value they give me monetary mm-hmm. I give them this like when did that moment happen and like what are your early memories of like oh Larissa's interested in business <clears throat> yeah so uh, my dad had his own company for a long time and I grew up in the office I was the gopher I was you know I mean from seven seven eight years old right I remember he had a construction company and um, and so I just remember like, you know, I was, was making these big blueprint copies right on like a big like scanners. And I mean, they were bigger than I was. Right. And so, you know, trying to manage these huge pieces of paper were really funny. Um, but yeah, I grew up really watching that. Right. So I grew up on job sites. I grew up, you know, um, as I got older, uh, you know, running the bids right to, you know, instead of drive them because <laughs> right? they had to be opened in person. Um, and so, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So I, I grew up in that, that space and, and seeing, you know, the excitement around bid day, right? And around like those those big moments, right? So um, lots of early exposure. And then, um, like I said, I think it was just kind of part of my personality. I think I just, I never was interested in the desk job, you know, which is not, not feeling it, right? I never, I never played a life like that, you know, as a kid, I never envisioned that that's what life would be, right? I was always like college student or like I said, like New York something. I didn't even know what, you know, but just like, big city, lots of activity, people focused. Um, as far as like actually starting a business, um, I did have a jewelry company for a while from like 2007 up until 2020, um, which I started in college and it was not terribly successful. Like it was, you know, it worked, but me, um, never really figured out how to, ironically, never figured out how to sell my own stuff online. Like I knew all, like I have all the tools in the toolkit, but like my, my sort of ability, I think, to 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 sell or to convey my own work, right, was seemed to do much better in person. Um, and I think that was just something I had to learn. It was like, okay, hey, like it is hard when you're this close to it, right, to to be able to kind of get that objectivity. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. Like I I spent a lot of years, you know, learning my way around trying to make that work. Um, and then had an opportunity in. So it was like 2012 to uh, get more involved in some web-based projects. Um, found a company in town that was looking for a part-time developer. I had always been interested in this. Um, no one would ever actually call me a developer, just full, full disclosure. Um, I know my way around, but I have a team for that. <laughs> and everyone is very happy. Um, but, you know, I did get my start sort of in very front-end work, right? So a lot of design-based stuff, a lot of um, email marketing, like those sorts of things, right? But I was a freelancer. And I and I think that this is something that is maybe a little arrogant, but but I think it's what was true at the time is I remember I was working for these other individuals and I was going, y'all don't know how to run a company, <laughs> right? Like y'all are good at making yourself really busy, 
but I'm not seeing you actually build like an entity. And it turns out that that's a real hardship, right? That the mindset shift from freelancer to business owner is real tough. And I have not made that transition, you know, well, my whole life. It certainly does not, you know, it is something that takes work. It is a journey I am still on for sure, right? Because I spent a lot of years just sort of freelancing and thinking about it in terms of my value being tied directly to like how much I can produce, right? As opposed to thinking about it more holistically and saying, how can this solution serve many, right? And through good leadership and good team management and good resources and like, doing, you know, good delivery, right? those components that are more abstract, like how can we then, yeah, continue to expand our footprint, right? And I think that that is, um, yeah, so I, I got into it largely to say like, it's time, <laughs> I had so many opinions about how other people were doing things that I figured I needed to put my money where my mouth was and actually like try it for my own. Um, and so somewhere around 2013, um, stepped fully into freelancing and then 2015 to 2018, kind of continued to refine our, our audience and our market. And then 2018, um, like stepped into leadership here at Nowhere Consultants and really decided that like, okay, we've done the freelance gig. You know, we we can find clients. We know that there's a demand for our services and our skill sets. And now let's actually try and like build this into something bigger than, than, than me or, you know, Aaron who originally founded it. And like, let's see what we can do. Um, and so that's kind of the journey that we've been on the last like, five or so years i love it i love it and you know you talked about basically at least this is what i heard you talked about being an operator and how like trying to transition from being a freelancer or just being somebody just genuinely interested in business to a full-on like this is how we got to operate a business this is how you deal with people this is how you lead this is how you communicate well this is how you uh you know assign a task to somebody so that they can complete it quicker than this person can complete or whatever like yeah or like define success in a way that, that really smart people can figure out their own path right and have that mm -hmm. sense of ownership like i think those are the things you know that we that that i had never seen well executed right and it's because it's hard Right. It's because it's really effing hard to trust people and to and to also make sure that you have the clarity. Um, we had this realization the other day. Clarity is a very internal thing. So like I can be super clear on what I mean, what I need, and what I want. And if I can't communicate that to you, then my clarity is not worth that much. Right. And so it really is about being like like having no ambiguity between what you say and what you mean. And I think that that is like kind of the like my word for 2023 is like unambiguous. I want there to be no daylight between what I say and what I mean. I want to be able to get my own internal clarity out into the world in a way that is actionable that other people can pick up and do something with. And, and how I think do people that clean that up? Like for, like for, mm -hmm. so, and, and I know one thing you've just mentioned a few times is it's hard as hell and you're still on your path. And I respect that. But like through the the years of work that you've been putting into it and still are like what has been helpful from 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 that perspective in terms of like trying to just be really clear with the service you provide or you want or or what you want somebody else to do mm -hmm. and like learning how to communicate that extremely effectively is there anything whether it's a book or maybe just a a, a question you ask yourself like what have you used to help yeah. you personally so um I'd say there's a couple, a couple things and, and there's no real secret. Like, so we talked about failures earlier, right? And so when everything goes to hell in a handbasket, it's real easy to like turn your back and be like, I'm never doing that again. Here's the thing. You have to go back and you've got to get into it and you have to take not just ownership of your own parts, right? But also be willing to assign ownership to the people that failed you and appreciate how you let them down or how you did not say what you meant or whatever, right? So you've got to do that postmortem. And so I think like taking the space, you know, to kind of let like a bad client experience or something that went crazy on you, right? Um, or a personal relationship or whatever, right? But like you have got to then sit down and actually do the work to face the thing because in that failure is is a lesson, right? And it's not just the lesson of like, oh, pick yourself back up. It's literally like, oh, I said this and they thought I meant this, right? Sometimes it's literally just the, the language that you use or the timing or your love language versus their love language, right? <laughs> like whatever, right? Like, and, and, and so being willing to go back and confront what went wrong, right? And then also looking, I think in those moments, in those, in every failure, there is stuff that went right too, right? And so mm -hmm. pulling that out, and being able to say, all right, well, here's what worked, right? And, and here's where I found friction, 
right? And that friction was caused by two, three, four things. Some of those are within my control and some of those aren't, right? And so just really like getting clear and trying to find some objectivity. So that's like one tool is the postmortem, I think is really what does What does that look like tangibly? Is that from like intangibly? I mean, does that, is that a notebook where you're writing down all these things? Like you're like, okay, what is this? This is what blah, 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 blah. Is that a notion template? Is that just brainstorming in your head? Like, what does that look like for Larissa? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, so for us, like now we actually have like a document that we'll use internally, right? For like projects, just all projects. When a project finishes, we do a postmortem. Hey, what worked, what didn't? Where can we, you know, even if it went smashingly well, right? Like, like okay, well, hey, what could we do better, right? Or what could we continue to cultivate? Or what went well, but kind of by accident, you know? <laughs> um, what, how can we, and how can we make those wins intentional, right? Um, but yeah, so it does look a lot like, I, I'm a big fan of a whiteboard. Um, I have one right over there that is just full of stuff. Um, but yeah, so for me, it just starts with like an audit, just like kind of a, a mental rundown and a list, right? Of just like, this is how long these things took, or here's the milestones, right? You know, going back to your email, making sure, you know, like just kind of taking stock, right? Of all of the pieces that happened, um, right? All the things that happened, right? And then being able to say, interesting, we said this and they heard this. <laughs> we deliver here, right? And then here's where this chasm happened and we weren't able to recover. Or here's where the chasm happened and we were able to recover. Let's figure out, you know, what does that really look like? And when you do that, when you get it out on paper, right? And it doesn't really matter. Like I've done it in a notebook. I've done it on a whiteboard. I've done it digitally. Um, but really, I think the the structure for me is a, it starts with just a list, like just a top of mind. All right, what do I remember? What do I know? And then going back and filling in some of those gaps with like, Quanti- like something that is quantifiable, right? Like data. right. Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that. When, you know, when I think about a business like your guys is a no- nowhere consultants, one thing I think a lot of people in that space wonder, especially if they're new to that space is how do you fire a client? Oof. Like you have a client and things are just like, Oh Rough. my God. And at that point, whatever money they're going to pay you is not even worth it. So I don't know if you've had direct experience and if you had, you know, feel free to utilize the knowledge you learned from that. But oh, yeah. how would you how would you fire a client or how would you recommend people in the same space as you like go about dealing with a really rough client? Yeah, so um, it never really gets easier. Like, I think anyone who has sort of an agency or a dev shop, right, which is largely our focus is like technical consulting and, and that kind of stuff, right? So it means that we are like from our perspective, like those are very intimate relationships, right? Like marketing is an intimate thing for people, right? Like getting involved in someone's sales and strategy and all these things, right? Takes a lot of trust. And so usually when a client relationship has gone off the rails, there is some problem with that trust or with the comfort level, right? Has gotten maybe too familiar. And so now they're like, treating you a little bit like you work for them. And like, that can be really awkward and it can be hard because like, I think if you're wired as as an owner or as an individual contributor, right? If you are wired to serve, then you want to serve people at all costs, right? And it's no different than a personal relationship. So things that that I, tools that I've had to learn how to use is again, like just um, making a list of the, like I'm a big list maker. So (laughs) like, I have to get it out of my head to, think about it to know kind of how it is going to land. Um, but so just taking a step back and saying, okay, like, am like, how do I actually feel about this? Right. So first getting clear about what you want from the client relationship, right? Like what is the friction point for you personally? Um, and then usually that will involve a pretty vulnerable call, right? So you invite the person to a phone call or a zoom or a coffee and you sit down and you say, look, here's the ways in which I expect this to be going. And it's not, right? And you you allow them to respond. Um, and they may respond terribly, right? We've had that happen where it's like, this is what I need from you. And they go, I don't care. And you go, okay, you made my decision easier, right? <laughs> but it starts usually with a, a vulnerable conversation to say, look, I want to, you know, I want to make this work. It's not. Here's what I need, right? Um, and, and then you listen, right? And if that doesn't work, um, then then, then it just comes down to honesty and simplicity, right? So keeping the emotions out of it and just being able to send that email that says like, hey, you know, we've we've enjoyed serving you. I know we've had some really good conversations. We've both made an effort. Maybe, you know, you can 
you know, give them credit, <laughs> right? Um, you know, for trying because everyone I think does generally show up, you know. Um, and and we've just decided to go in a different direction, right? And I think that it's best. I mean, I, I had a gentleman the other day that I just, yeah, just the way that he the way that he was treating my team was not acceptable, right? And so I just and but yet he wanted to retain us for this like monthly service. And I was like, yeah, it'd be nice to have the money, but like, I'm not gonna put my team through that and I'm not gonna put myself through that. So I just basically said, I was like, hey, like, you know, we've enjoyed working for you. I'm glad that we could deliver on this thing for you. Um, given our current workload and preferred communication styles, I think it's best that we don't enter into a long-term contract. We wish you the best of luck, bye. And we just let it go. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't, you know, it. I have a hard time separating the emotional side from the like objective the objectivity sometimes and so for me it is a bit of a process to like get how i feel about it all out on paper so that then yeah. i can have more clarity and objectivity when i go to approach the client i love that and you mentioned the word and, and you said you struggled with it as well like keeping the emotions out of it but also struggling to keep the emotions out of business so just to to do something playful i guess is like what are a few things that you a few similarities you see between business and relationships, like actual real life, uh, significant oh, partner relationships. And like, where do you feel like one can uh, learn by combining their experiences from both of those? hundred percent. So open. And I mean, a whole book was written on it, right? Radical candor. <laughs> um, someone wrote an entire book on this, right? But, but the idea of like, um, there's a lot here. There's a couple things. Um, so something that we've been talking about, uh, like partner and I here have been talking about with our with our company because we run it together, right? And um, is that the business itself at some point will have enough of its own characteristic that it is a living entity, right? And so your relationship is now not just with the business or like what you think, right? And like it's not just a direct line between like what you want and what the company is going to do. Like the business can make its own choices, right? Um, guided by lots of information, right? And so I think that's an interesting sort of thing that we've been really, really trying to lean into and think through. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it it is uh, open and honest communication will get you a long way, right? And so whether that is with your team, whether that is with your clients, whether that is with yourself, your co-founder, <laughs> um, your accountant, <laughs> right? It doesn't matter. Like, I don't care who that person or who that entity is in your life at the end of the day, like open and honest communication, like having the confidence and the and the guts and the constitution to say, this is what I need and I'm not getting it, right? And then having the ability to hold enough space to listen to the other person, right? To say like, well, I thought that I've been delivering. It's like, okay, well, but it hasn't been working. So like, how can we fix this, right? And I think coming to the table with a, an open mindset um is really important i think that is true in personal relationship i think that is true in business right um sitting down and treating your business like an entity and just asking like what does it look like when it works right no different than a personal relationship right you know if you're having a conflict with someone that you love like sitting down and saying like what is missing right like what is the piece here like where have we lost where have we gone astray right and if it's respect or trust or whatever okay then what are you going to do about that right how do you sit down and start to repair what's broken right and the same thing is true with your business like if you can't trust your business you got to get clear on why and then you have to figure out how to like put those pillars in place so all of that to say that i think it is just open and honest communication and having the confidence to own what you need mm. in a given moment and then being willing to make the changes that are necessary even if they suck I love it. I love it. That's real. That's real. Well, I have, a, I, we're going to transition into the last, you know, segment of the podcast, which is okay. rapid fire. But before we do that, I just want to say thank you for making time today to have a conversation with me, to have a conversation with the listeners here, at voices yeah. of value. And, you know, appreciate you giving me some, uh, some of your time. I know I told you 40 minutes and we're already past the hour. So okay. thank you. Good. Yeah. I appreciate it. Pre good, good, good. All right. So, we got three rapid fire questions. Number one is what is the difference? Of course, this is all subjective, by the way, but what is the difference between success and happiness? Good question. Um man, the difference between success and happiness. Um I think that you, 
I think you can have one without the other in both cases. Uh, you can be successful and miserable and you can be happy and not terribly successful. Um, so I think that the difference is uh, happiness is an internal decision, right? Like you can, whereas success implies to me external, right? Um, so I think that, that happiness comes from a choice and an, and an inter internal like like perspective, right? Like you can choose to be happy in the struggles of it all, right? Type two fun, <laughs> right? Is a thing in, in athletics, right? Where it's like, it sucks now, but like you're not unhappy. Um, and I think success is an external thing. I think success is a, is a label that people can put on you. Um, I think it is something that we think of, you know, being quantifiable, you either are or are not successful. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's a difference between internal and external forces. Love it. Business leader that you admire. Oh man, there's quite a few. Um, I'm not gonna think of her name, of course, because you just asked me, but uh she is the uh founder slash executive director of uh Girls Who Code. Um I've heard her speak a couple of times, not not in person, but like I've watched like videos and TED talks and that kind of stuff. And just the the poise with which she carries herself, the clarity of her mission, um, the way in which she really seems to be able to scale community is is a powerful thing. Um, and I would love to sit down and get coffee with that lady someday and just be like, how did you do this? <laughs> yeah, that leads us into our, our next question. So I believe the founder's name is Reshma um from uh girls who code if if i'm thinking of the right person or you might there's also the the ceo tarika barrett but yeah. either way um you could sit down if you could sit down for mm -hmm. five consultation or what is it called coaching calls five coaching calls Ooh. with the founder of girls who code or sign a three-year million dollar per year contract with you, you know, providing services, nowhere consultant services to a to a customer. What, which one would you choose? I would take the coaching calls, hundred percent. Why? Why? Projects are going to be there, <laughs> right? I mean, generally, like, there's always business to be done, um, and I think that, like but people aren't always right, and so I think take advantage of who they are in in this moment right and learn from them and from that inevitably like you will find more opportunity for more business more connections more whatever right by just um exposing yourself to people who are living the life that you want right who are operating at the level that you're looking for and so i think like if i could sit down and have like Men like mentorship is valuable right you can't really put a price on 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 someone giving you their unadulterated time um and life lessons so but you can find more people to serve right you can find clients absolutely the money will always be there um no scarcity so, mindset in this world <laughs> <laughs> so so the final question i have is for all the boomer business owners out there who are like anti-tech they're like i don't want to integrate tech or software into my business you walk into their office and there's just papers up on the wall their sops are all over taped to the to the tvs and in, in their office the there's mm -hmm. no they just have a fax machine and one of the old dial-up phones like <laughs> what do you have what do you have to say to this business owner just just one thing you would say to a business owner who's like no i don't want to do digital marketing no i don't want to use social media no i don't want to add in uh, uh, a management software. I don't want to use a CRM. Like, what would you say? I would ask them some questions. Um, so I would, uh, I would approach it from: Is your business currently serving you? Right. If the answer is yes, okay. Right. Like, I'm not going to force you to do this. Right. Um, and then I think like getting into what their legacy wants. Right. Like, what what do you want to leave behind? when all this is said and done, right? When you retire in 10 years, right? And you've moved on and someone is here to pick up these pieces, like, what do you want to leave them with, right? And I think that in, in that, there will be, there's usually a story of some kind of transformation, right? And so then I think from there, and we've had these conversations before, you know, where it's like, hey, like, we're not asking you to, to do things completely differently, right? We're asking you to add more tools into your toolkit so that you can serve more people more deeply in a way that is um, current and relevant with the 
ecosystem that is being built up around you. So if you want to continue to have a place in this society and you want to continue to carve out a space that is meaningful, then you need to expand the tools in your toolkit, right? And it's no different than whether that is literally equipment, right? Like <laughs> manufacturing tools or whether that is stepping, you know, a little bit closer to the online ecosystem. Um, something that we try and get really clear with folks on is like, is like, you can build relationships at scale. Um, because I think I think the fear, I think a lot of fear that like, the business owners have when they're resistant to it is that they feel like it's very impersonal. And I think that they feel like they're walking away from like that, that handshake business. And it's like, well, no, like it's just one more tool in the toolkit to get to know someone, right? To expose yourself and them to the value that you provide. And then from there, you are still building healing relationships, right? You're just able to do it using different tools than you normally had, right? And so I think that that's something that we try and coach people through to get them a little bit more comfortable with the idea. Um, like anything, right? Just step in slow. Let's try a couple things, right? Let me show you how this could work. Um, and then you go from there, right? I love it. I love it. I love it. Larissa, thank you so much for making time for this conversation today. You've given us an hour and five minutes of fire. Great <laughs> stories about your life. Um, you've, you've given us a, uh, window into some of your experiences, both in business and in your personal life. And I appreciate you for that. Um, a final question that we ask every guest that comes on the voices of value show is you've lived until 150, done everything you've wanted to do, lived out all the experiences you planned on living, but it's your final day on earth. And this is the last thing you get to leave your great, great grandkids with, and they're sitting at your feet and they're like, great, 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 great grandma, Larissa, what's one piece of advice on how to live a good life. What are you going to tell them? Ooh. Um, create it like a big improv skit and just say yes. <laughs> I, like I think like someone offers you something and you're like, okay, like just go with it, right? Like, yes, and then see what happens, right? I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, with that being said, please let the people know where they can find you, how they can work with you, and just anything else you want to plug before we sign out today. Yeah, awesome. Um, so if you want to learn more about what we're building over at Nowhere Consultants, you can head to no-where.net, um, no-where.net. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. You're welcome to connect. Um, you should just be able to search my name. And then uh, as far as like other cool stuff that we're currently working on, um, we're really honored to get uh, to be part of a grant recently to tackle digital equality and access. Um, so if you are plugged into a community that has low to moderate income individuals that maybe want to start a business, like let's just talk and get some coffee or grab a Zoom session or something. Cause I'd love to, to continue to learn more about that, um, that, that demographic of people so that we can figure out how best to serve them um, as we move forward on this really big, cool project here in Kansas City. Hell yeah. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, leave a five-star review if you enjoyed the podcast, which I know you did. So please do share with a friend and even better, Tag me if you share it. If you share the podcast on social media, shoot me a tag. Light up the comment section. Light up their reviews. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. That's the show.